Well, before we talk about the Real Salt Lake LA Galaxy game, which you are at, obviously, Ivis, you also were at the Seattle-Portland Timbers game. Portland, we both predicted it in the previous show. We get the victory on the road. They defeat Seattle 2-1. to one. Uh, Seattle looked a little tired in this game, Ivis, but they did create a lot of chances for themselves. I think Dempsey had one of his better games as a Seattle Sounder, but Portland were efficient on their chances. They get the victory, and uh, I think they'll do it again at home, and this is a very big result for Portland, first time ever in the playoffs. Right. I mean, the game really went the way they wanted it to go. And I I think some people might have looked at the game and thought, oh, wow, Seattle, you know, really dominated that game. They controlled that game. They had a bunch of chances. But the reality of that game was that Portland uh, really played a rope and dope uh, approach. They let they took the pressure on from Seattle. They had confidence in their defense, being able to, to, to deal with what they gave Seattle. And basically, they gave Seattle a lot of uh, opportunities wide to get service in. They gave them, a, I don't know how many corner kicks, and they gave them shots from distance, and none of that stuff really uh, put much pressure uh, on uh, Donovan Ricketts. Uh, you know, they, they're... Who had, to, who had to, a good game, too. Yeah, had a good game. He made that one amazing save on the Clint Dempsey free mm-hmm. kick, but, I mean, for the most part, Pa Muduka and uh, uh, Danzo just ate everything up in the air and gave, gave Seattle... They didn't give Seattle much to work with, and you know, after the game, just talking to Siggy Schmidt, you know, he, he talked about how his team's confident, how he, he feels, you know, they created a lot of chances and that they should be able to do that in Portland. But the reality of the situation is Portland played the way they played in Seattle for a reason. You know, they wanted to wear Seattle out. They wanted to basically let them run themselves out. And and now they go to the second leg. Anyone who thinks Portland's going to sit back in the second leg in Portland is crazy. They're going to go right at Seattle. Mm-hmm. They're going to take it to them. They have the lead in hand. And the only thing that kept this from being kind of a quote-unquote perfect game for Portland is that late goal by Oswaldo Alonso. If he doesn't score that goal and Portland goes back to Portland 2-0 up, I mean, it's over. I mean, just the way they've been at home this year, you can't, you would not have been able to expect them to to give that up. But credit to Seattle. They didn't give up. Alonso pounces on that late chance. And now it's still a series and anything's possible. But uh, you got to like Portland because the, the way they were able to basically dictate things in that first game, mm-hmm. m- let things play the way they wanted it to play. Now they go home. They're going to, in my opinion, they're going to go after the Timbers. I think they're really going to pounce on them early, and, and I think they could overwhelm them. And it's funny. I mean, you mentioned it before with the Seattle with all their chances. I mean, Ivis, they had 20 shots on goal. Portland, I mean, 20 shots, excuse me. Portland had 10. But shots on goal, 5-5 five and five for each side, and it's what you do with your shots in the final third. Portland took advantage, and it was a tale of two different defenses. You mentioned it exactly. I mean, Portland took on the pressure, and they were able to recover. Seattle's defense, they didn't pick up the timely responses, and that's why Portland uh, got the goals. And you're right, Portland's really good at home. And going forward, Ivis, what can Seattle do on the road to turn things around? I mean, can can is, are they going to have to rely on Dempsey again to kind of create more, more of their better chances? I mean, what can they do at Jeldwin? Well, here's the tricky part, right? They, they need to attack. The, the pressure's on them. Uh, but by doing that, they're going to free themselves up or they're going to expose themselves to the counter. And I think that's what, you know, Portland, you know, I think Portland's going to sit back. I think Portland's going to take it to Seattle to start uh, and, and really test the, test their, uh, their metal early on. But, uh, if you're Seattle, you have to go a little more attack minded. You have to, you know, get more Rosales in there. The big loss for Seattle is Lamar Nagel. He's suspended for the match. Now his energy, the, 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 the work he gives them, they're going to miss it. Uh, the question now for Seattle is what's the deal with Obafemi Martins? Is he going to be able to play? He missed, he didn't dress for the last game. And, you know, if he doesn't play again, 
and that's big. That's a big blow for them because you know you don't have Nagel, you don't have Martins. Uh, what do you do? Do you play Dempsey up top with with, with Eddie Johnson? That that's a possibility. So I mean, Seattle has a chance, right? They have the weapons uh, to potentially pull it off, but just it's hard to bet against Portland with the way their defense is playing and and and, and the way they play at home. And as good as they've been at home all year, I mean, they have one loss at home all year. That was to Montreal in March in a game they dominated Montreal and Montreal to their credit, you know they finished their chances. Hassan Kamara with one of the with a, one of the goals of the year uh, to beat them. Portland is tough at home. They 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 have a game that they played this year that was not a good performance by them. So it, it's hard to see them laying an egg on Thursday. I think they're going to get it done, and I think they're going to put on a good show for that sold out crowd. In Seattle, not the best team on the road. Ten losses this season. On Sunday night, Ivis, you had a chance to watch the LA Galaxy host Real Salt Lake. Sean Franklin, unbelievable goal. Uh, I thought the best joke of the night was too bad the, uh, st- uh, the StubHub Center didn't have football lines. We would have known how far that strike was like the other <laughs> matches. Uh, I'm stealing that from someone. I can't remember where I stole that from, but it was hilarious. So All the football fields, they, it offered for hilarious jokes throughout the whole weekend. But uh, LA Galaxy, they defeat Real Salt Lake 1-0. to uh, in a game that could have gone either way, and we talked about this before. I mean, this series was kind of a toss-up. You, you, I mean, anything could happen in this one. This that game could have gone either way, really. Yeah, I don't know well, what. I, that I, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I said, I said the series, not that game. We said, we said that we both agreed that the series is kind of a toss-up. Fair enough. Well, I mean, compared to the other, compared I'm, to the other series, you and I were more set in our picks for the other series. This one, we kind of. I like Different. LA, man. I like LA. I yeah, like they, they yeah, like them. I picked. I believe I picked them. I think you. Well, you have to pick Salt Lake, obviously. <laughs> of course. But uh, <laughs> all right, back to this game. So look, LA created a ton of chances. Yes. Real Salt Lake, they have to count themselves very lucky. They came into this game. It was clear they were going to sit and defend. Look to defend and counter. They came out in the four-two-three-one, um, just looking to absorb some pressure. And LA just pummeled them. And LA really. I mean, they should have won three nil, four nil this game. Mm-hmm. But you know, on, how often do you see Robbie Keane miss the chances that he missed? That's the, where you, you came away thinking, "Wow, like this guy, he's been money all year. He put he seemingly put every chance away, and it's like he saved up all his misses throughout the regular season and and, and put them on display on Sunday." But uh, it's interesting after the game like that. Now we also Lake's confident; they're feeling good because that's all they wanted. They wanted to come out of LA with you know. It, minimizing the damage yes now they go home they only have to make up the one goal difference but i tell you what la is as much as they miss their chances they know robbie king's not going to miss chances like that yeah often and they have to feel good about the way they were able to to, to create chance after chance and really go after uh real so lake and later in the game they have to feel good about the way they countered uh real so lake and and really Caught them on the counter, and I think that's what you're going to see in this in the second leg. You're going to see Real Salt Lake. Obviously, they're going to have to attack. They're going to have to be. They're going to have to play a proper four three three, not this, not the four two three one they played. They're going to have to go after LA, but by doing that, they're going to expose themselves. And I think they're going to. I think we're going to see a shootout. But I think LA. I think LA's attack is just looking too good right now. Jesse Jesse's artist is playing really well. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to take it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You, you called me out last night on Twitter. <laughs> this guy. Uh, yeah, no, you're, you're right. I, for me, for RSL, it was a little bit of luck and a little bit of fortune. I, I thought that, I mean, people were, were high on Chris Schuler throughout the game. I thought he made a few mistakes and he got lucky that the oh, Galaxy did come on. I, dude, Fuck. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Look, 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 look hold on. 
No, I'm not being crazy. I'll, but my only other issue with Real Salt Lake is this. When I looked at their bench going forward, though, I just don't know if they have guys coming off the bench that can score. I mean, Sebastian Velasquez, excellent player in the midfield. Just he cannot finish in the final third. He's so hesitant sometimes. And Robbie Finley, I mean, he looked pretty good last night, but I don't know if he's a finisher. I mean, look, I don't want to. I don't want to switch boats here because you'll make fun of me and tease me if I do. <laughs> but I, also, I'll stick with RSL. But I, yeah, I don't know, man. It's gonna be tough at at, uh, at Rio Tinto, man. I I just I don't know if they have the pieces that 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 can really overpower the Galaxy. Because you're right. I mean, there's no way that Keane's gonna miss those chances again in the second leg. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, we I'm not sure what the injury status is right now of Olmes Garcia and Jao Plata, but. If those guys, if those guys aren't available for them on Thursday, they're mm-hmm. gonna have a real tough time, I think, uh, just generating enough chances. I mean, Jao Plata yeah. is so key just because of the speed that he has and the way he can unsettle defenses. Uh, if you don't have him, it's uh, it really hurts. It really hurts just your your, your just the variety of attacks you can throw at a team. Um, you know, I, I mean, you got to give them a chance. They're gonna have a chance. It's only a one goal margin, but. You know, I really, I have a feeling Robbie Keane is going to come out here in the second leg and really send a message and really show, remind people uh, just how good he can be. And I mean, also Landon Donovan missed a few chances in this match too. I think in the first half he pushed one uh, across the face of goal wide. So I mean, Donovan also missed their chances. It, it, right. be, it, it, it was just an off night for the Galaxy. Hey, but still, Sean Franklin though, Ivis, that was uh, an insane strike. It was a beauty. It was a beauty, and uh, you know they they they're playing well. Their defense, I, I thought, looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rookie Kofi Apare, I mean, the guys, I mean, he's been just great for them down the stretch. And just to point out, I mean, I, I always find it funny that that critics of the MLS draft love to talk about how it doesn't matter, how it's not that big a deal. But when it comes down to it, the the, the teams that have a clue, the teams that know what they're doing. They make the most of the draft. They find value in the draft. They find gems in the draft. Bruce Arena's done it for years. He's did it again this year. I mean, we're talking about two picks, two second-round picks. Kofi Opare, Greg Cochran, uh, both of them have, have played good roles for them. And Opare especially. Opare uh, is the starting center back now. And even with AJ De La Garza coming back, Opare's played so well that you almost can't take him out now. So uh, just, you know, you got to give credit to Bruce Arena. Guys like Arena, Peter Vermees. They get it. They understand that the, the, there's serious value in the MLS draft, and, and that's why those teams, that's why you see the teams that are really get, getting it done. Real Salt Lake as well. I mean, Devin Sandoval, a guy that, you know, they, they were able to grab a, a really good value for them. So those teams that, that don't take the draft seriously or those teams that, that just, you know, don't put enough resources in it, it, you generally don't see those teams really competing at the end of the year. And there's a reason for that because these teams like the L.A.'s, Casey's, Rialso Lakes, they that's that's why they have the depth that they have because they take full advantage of the draft. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, that's the. I, 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 it's funny because like it, it makes perfect sense, but it's just amazing how some teams don't fall. The other thing about Galaxy, I was thinking this is they have a very young defense, and if they're able to keep everyone together for the next couple of years, I mean they're going to be a very tough team with Apare, uh, Gonzalez, AJ De La Garza. Yeah, Sean Franklin's twenty eight, but if you can keep that core together for for a while, Ivis, those young guys that. L.A., man, they can make a few more runs. Moving over to the Eastern Conference, New York going down to BBVA Compass Stadium where they defeated the Houston Dynamo by combined score 7-1, to one, I believe, in the regular season. Things look the same. Our, uh, New York goes up 2-0. Oh, my gosh, Houston fans must be thinking it's another nightmare. But a poor clearance, a red card, Houston's back in the game. They get a draw, and uh, they look like they might have shifted a little bit of momentum uh, to their side, Ivis. 
a little bit. <laughs> Would you serious right now? They were down two nil. It was. I'm over. trying. To, I'm trying crap. to keep the New York fans from uh, from from jumping. You know. Well, look, I don't, I don't. Honestly, I tell you what. There's a lot of New York Rebels fans that you can't say anything about their team. They're going to believe in their team, and you know what? That's what the way the, with the year they had. You can't blame them, but you have to say. To go from being in complete control up to nil, looking like you're going to coast to a serious victory, to losing your best defender, uh, you know, giving up the two goal lead. Now you have to go home against a team with the kind of experience he has. Oh, it's just night and day. And, and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying the Rebels are going to lose the series. Don't get me wrong, but the pressure is on mm-hmm. now. I mean, they, you know, they can't. There's no more. There is no margin for error. Right, they have to win, and Houston knows how to win. Houston has done it in the playoffs before. Uh, most of these got most. It's mostly the same team they've had for years. They know how to get done on the road. And for the Red Bulls, I mean, to have the cushion they had, and now they go back to to Red Bull Arena without Olave. It, it's not going to be easy, man. Thursday, Wednesday is going to be a nail biter. Well, I think I saw a stat that when Alave plays, New York gives up less than one goal a game, and when he doesn't play, it's close to two goals a game. So, I mean, that's concerning right there. The other thing is uh, Robles had a, had another little kind of mistake where he didn't punch the ball out far enough. Saw it the week before against Mike McGee. Got to get that ball out. Omar Cummings, though, a big goal for him who's had a, a very down season. I mean, that, that's, that has to be something that you know he can look back on and be very happy about to put icing on the cake, especially for Dynamo fans to see Omar Cummings uh, score a goal like that to get the equalizer. Well, that one, I mean, it, it's funny. People almost forgot that he was on that team. You know, I, I remember when the, the Dynamo got Omar Cummings thinking, this is unbelievable. I mean, we're talking about a guy who can still give you quite a bit uh, as an attacking player. But, uh, you know, now that he's back in the fold, I mean, that, that just makes them all that even that much more dangerous. And, uh, but look, look, the Red Bulls are still a good team. They're, they're, yes, they're going to miss Alave, but they still have the quality across the board. And they actually have some depth at center back. You know, it's not uh, – Mar- Marcus Olsen will, will move over, and it will be Holgerson and Sagaya. And that, that's not a bad tandem, but there is a drop-off. You can't deny it. You can't deny that there's going to be a drop-off between Alave, who was one of the most one of the best defenders in the league this year, and Holgerson. So the question is going to be – how does everyone pick up the slack for that? Can the midfield control things uh, for the Red Bulls? Can McCarty and Cahill dictate tempo at home, which they've done generally through the year? Uh, can Henri deliver some more magic, which he's, he, he, he seems to do pretty often at home? I think they'll get it done. But it's, it's going to be nail-biting time until they get that first goal on the board and kind of uh, put the pressure on. But, man, man, it, just think about that. They, I mean, if it's 2-0 going back to New York, then it's you're home, oh, no. you're, you're home and dry. Now... Dom, I tell you what, Dom Kinnear. Look, say what you want. Mike Pecky, great job this year, Coach of the Year candidate. But Dom Kinnear, there are a few coaches that you want to see less in a playoff situation, in a playoff scenario, one game winner take all than Dom Kinnear because that guy, he knows he knows what he's doing. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what he what he whips out for that game. Well, I guess the silver lining for New York and, and Mike Pecky did also uh, speak about this was the fact that both goals that New York gave up were self inflicted wounds. I mean, they weren't outbeat. I mean, David Carney, horrible clearance. If you're a young kid listening to the show, I mean, I'm sure we don't have many 10-year-olds listening to the show, Ivis, but don't ever kick the ball to the middle of the field like that, especially to the top of the 18. I think if, I mean, even if that didn't happen, you still wonder what if Houston had been able to come back and at least score a goal or score two goals in that match. So for New York, I mean, I guess you kind of maybe have to be 
kind of sitting there saying, you know, they didn't outplay us. It was self-inflicted wounds. Let's just rally together and get, you know, business taken care of uh, on Wednesday. Well, here's the question, right? David Carney, his, his look shaky, right, as a left back for quite a bit. Now, Roy Miller's healthy. Do you bring in Roy Miller? Do he Okay, Do you, other than his mistakes, I thought he looked decent as the season went on. Who? Uh, Roy Miller. No, I, I, look, Roy Miller has had a good year, but you're ignoring the main point, which is that he has been the GOAT in the last three playoff years. The last three years in the playoffs. Not one year, not two years, three years. Roy Miller has, has, has crapped the bed in the playoffs <laughs> with, with some just, un, just some completely mind-numbing uh, moments. Uh so that's the question, right? I mean, I, I, I tell you what. I know Mike Pecky has confidence, Roy Miller. I know he's not someone who's going to hesitate because of that history. But I tell you what, I guarantee you Red Bulls fans will be nervous if they see Roy Miller walk out on that field because you can't ignore him. This is their year, Ivis. They win the Supporter Shield at home. Everything's going for him. Watch. He puts well, 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 you know what? Watch, Even with all that, before, look, before I guarantee you Red Bulls fans, as much as they're confident right now, I guarantee you 99% of Red Bull fans do not want to see any part of Roy Miller on the field in a playoff game. Mm. But it's still it's still going to be interesting to watch. Because I'll tell you what, David Carney, David Carney look, is a liability. He's a liability defensively. There's no other way to say it. And, and I'll tell you what, I've, I mentioned this. I've mentioned it on Twitter. But I, I, I don't remember if I mentioned it in the last show. But it's a little uncanny how there's some similarities between the 2008 series between these two teams. And in this year's series, in 2008, when the Red, Red Bulls played the Dynamo in the playoffs, the Dynamo were the number one seed, clear-cut favorite to, to win it all. The Red Bulls, uh, you know, snuck into the playoffs. They were the eighth seed, not much expected of them. First leg of that series, finished 1-1. Now here we are again, same thing. We have, you know, number one seed against the underdog. First leg's a draw. And now it's going back to the higher seats uh, home. And, and for those who don't remember, in 2008, the Red Bulls in the second leg in Houston blew out the Dynamo. They blew out the Dynamo. They took advantage of, of, of a really shaky performance from Houston's left back, Wade Barrett. Uh, so there's some similarities here. David Carney could be Wade Barrett 2.0. He could end up getting burned. And make it even better, a Jamaican uh, led the way for the Red Bulls that year, Dane Richards. He tore Houston apart. This time around, a Jamaican, Omar Cummings, scores the equalizer for Houston. I gotta tell you, man, there's, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of similarities there. Like, like it's just interesting the way it's you know the roles are reversed. So we'll see if Houston can repay the 2008 upset. That was uh, that was really good, Ivis. There's a lot of similarities right there. It's kind of creepy. It is, man. You can't you can't you can't deny it. You yeah. can't ignore. It's just it's uncanny. So we'll see. We'll see if the second leg is similar. Well, in uh, Houston's last two matches at Red Bull Arena, they have lost both of them. Uh, dos a cero. Uh, the other match in the Eastern Conference, Ivis. You gave this team one percent, and I saw the best poster over the weekend. It was a Star Wars reference. It said, "Hey, Ivis, we find your lack of faith disturbing." It was the one percent reference. So what happens, Ivis? New England Revolution go out and defeat Sporting Kansas City two to one, putting Kansas City on their back heels going home in the in the uh, next match of, the, of this semifinal in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, man. I mean, you can't you can't deny it. New England, New England came out. They played well. They took it to Sporting. Sporting KC looked a little sleepy there. They they looked a little flat. Uh, and and a little surprising from uh, 
Peter Vermees to, to give Teal Bunbury the start. You know, he hasn't really been starting down the stretch, and it kind of I thought that was a, an interesting decision on his part. But the refs, they, you got to give them credit. They look good. They created chances. They did what they had to do. It's, you're, it's the first leg at home. You have to you have to put up a result that gives you a chance because going to KC is just not easy to do. It's just not easy to uh, to beat KC in KC. But here's the thing. Is, is, as much as Revs fans are happy, and, and they deserve to be, great credit to the, the Revolution fans who came out in force. I mean, for, for anyone who's followed the Revs over the years, like they haven't really produced crowds. Like, and, and again, the team's been pretty bad over the years, so that they haven't had the the, the attendances, the crowds, they you know, in recent years. But they came out on Saturday, good atmosphere at Gillette Stadium. But here's the problem: you're up two nil, you're in control. And you give up that goal, and that is going to cost them. I'm telling you, I think that's going to that because because that that if anything, that for me, that moment, they go up two nil, they're happy, they're loving life, and then boom, Sporting Kansas City comes right back down, gets that goal. That is what separates an experienced team and a younger team because KC they give up that second goal, and they didn't they didn't panic. There was no panic. It was like okay, we're down two nil, we got to get that goal back, and they went and got it back. New England. When they get that two nil, they have to smell the blood in the water and go for it. And they and they, they let up, they let up, and it cost them. Now, they still have that one goal lead, but you know it, it's it's a world of difference between going to KC up up two one and up two nil. And I think KC, I think they're going to get it done. I think they're go back home. Pressure's on them, no doubt about it. But they're a team. They've been in this situation before. They've been in these playoffs. They know what they're going to have to do. I think that I still think they're going to get it done. So you you don't want to raise your uh, percentage chance for New England. Well, <laughs> well, obviously percentages can change over the course of a playoff, but I will just reiterate that for those who don't know what we're talking about, I wrote a story laying out every team in the playoffs uh, chances of winning the whole thing. I gave every team a percentage. LA Galaxy, I gave the highest percentage. New England, I gave the lowest percentage. I gave New England. A one percent chance to win it all, and I don't think that's unfair. Is it good? Obviously, Revolution fans are going to think, "No, we have a chance of that." One win does not change that, in my opinion. I, I what? Even if they beat Kansas City, let's say they win that series, now they got to go play, you know, the Red Bulls, or I guess they could play Houston. If they host Houston. You know what? I think again, Houston. If he, even if Houston beats the Red Bulls, Houston's experience over New England, I'm going to go with Houston. And if New England proves me wrong again, they still have to go MLS Cup final on the road against an LA Galaxy, Portland Timbers, Real Salt Lake. I'm going to go with those other teams. So if New England goes on and wins the whole thing, I will gladly stand up at anywhere you want and say, yes, I was wrong. But I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm still not that worried. For New England, though, I mean, you have to still be happy. I mean, you get an impressive performance from Andy Dorman, who scores the goal and then was the one that's uh, created the uh, the chance uh, on the second goal uh, that I'm blanking on who who finished it again. I'm, I'm uh, Kellen Rowe, Kellen Rowe, thank you. Yeah, blanking. Uh, he finished. So for for New England, though, I mean, you still have to be happy with with a few performances of some guys, you know, especially like Andy Dorman stepping up along with the other usual faces. They played well, man. They they played and they had fun. They played with confidence. That you didn't really see the nerves there. I, you got to give Jay Heaps credit. He, 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 whatever, whatever message he sent to that team going into that playoff, it, 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 it was a good one because they were, you didn't see them look nervous. You didn't see them. You saw them really look like they had fun. But again, we're talking about going on the road now in a tough place. Kansas City's gonna. I, I just think that they're so much better at home. 
it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for the Rebs. I, I still have to give. I still have to give KC the, the edge just because they're at home. Um, I want to see who Peter Vermees plays up top. That's that's the real question, right? I mean, I, I, Bunbury didn't really get the job done. I thought Dom Dwyer would have been a good answer for them. So, Ooh, so we'll that, see. That, that save that Reese had at the end of Dwyer's shot was nice. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. I mean Dwyer, Dwyer toward the end of the year, I thought he gained. I mean, look, his his loan at USL for, for USL for Orlando City clearly boosted his confidence. He was scoring goals and buckets, at, 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 and then obviously that's a lower division, but it raised his confidence. He comes back, he he plays his way into the starting lineup, so he's feeling good. He's feeling good. He's ready to go in the playoffs, do his thing, and Peter Vermees benches him. I don't know what's going to happen now. I don't know if Vermees is going to go with Dwyer, Bunbury, Beeler. He's got to get it right though, because they 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 they're going to get their chances. But if you got to have the right guy up there to finish him, so there it is. There was all four semifinal matchups. Ivis and I will do a preview show later this week. It will be up on Wednesday morning. Moving over to the Americans abroad section, Ivis of the show, doom and gloom. Julian Green getting called up to the Germany U nineteen national team. It's all over. He's no longer going to play for the U.S. men's national team, Ivis. <laughs> Come on. I know it's panic mode time for U.S. fans, but listen, guys and gals. Julian Green is currently already tied to Germany. He, it doesn't cost him anything to go to, to, go to the camp. It's not a surprise they called him up, obviously, because you know, he, he, he is part of that group for them. And he's so, good. Yeah, he's good. And, and, but here's, it'd be one thing if he had never been a part of that team and all of a sudden Germany's calling him in. Then it'd look a little, it'd look a little suspicious, I think. It would look a little bit as if they're trying to counter the U.S. interest in Julian Green, but I don't. It's not that deep, folks. It's not that deep. He's part of that setup. He, you know, what else is he going to do on the international break? He could actually maybe get, uh, you know, get some get playing time. So there he go. There he goes. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Oh, this means it's over. He's not going to play for the U.S. Uh, it's not. I don't think it's that serious. I, I yeah, I agree. I hope everyone realized that I was being sarcastic when I said that. Um, and, and Jurgen even said that before, Ivis. I believe maybe a month or two ago that you know they they want other guys to to go. You know, if other national teams call them up, I mean, they encourage it. They, you know, they want the guys to follow their hearts and stuff like that. You know, that Jurgen doesn't want to make it seem like you know, hey, if you don't if you don't accept it or if you don't blah blah blah, you're you're not going to be ever considered again. So, I mean, I I think it's a good thing. And you're right for him, it's extra playing time, more games, more exposure. It only could be better. And, and you know, if we get him, great. If we don't, well, that was unfortunate. Move on to the next one. Right. I mean, you know, if if he ends up playing for Germany, then I mean, that's his choice. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it'd be it'd be it'd be disappointing. It'd be unfortunate. Uh, but I mean, I, I did. I do find it a little funny. Like you're starting to hear the oh, we're going to have another Giuseppe Rossi incident. And it's just like, I, I, you know, I don't know. Dude. It's just it, he he's going to have to go where his heart wants him to go. And, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't just based on what you hear. His father loves the U.S. national team. His father's obviously pitching him to play for the USA. I don't see him playing for Germany anytime soon, so I don't. I don't know. I don't know if he, he doesn't have to make a decision yet. He doesn't. So I, I'd say take our time, folks. Don't don't go crazy just yet, because until he does play for the Germany senior team in a senior competition, it's still an open discussion. So. I think people need to remember that. And also the other thing too is is it seems like people, you know, they rejoice when we get guys, for instance, like Aaron Johansson. But the second someone doesn't play for it, it's like De Rossi, everyone's just like, oh, blah, 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 how dare he, he's a traitor, blah, blah, blah. It's it's amazing how sometimes our society just doesn't take a chill pill and, and, and take the situation for what it is. 
I would say this. It's a little hypocritical yeah. to uh, just absolutely hate Giuseppe Rossi, uh, absolutely hate Nevin Sabotich, but then Aaron Johansson, you know, yeah. you love but him. Okay. You want to wear Terrence his... Boyd's okay. We love Brooks Aaron Johansson. Okay. He, what he did is okay, but meanwhile, you know, meanwhile his ties to the U.S. you could argue were were were, were smaller or slimmer than, than these other guys. So uh, I understand the Rossi thing though, because look, Rossi he could have been the best player we ever had that the U.S. ever had. You know, you can argue that point. So that from that standpoint, I can understand there's some bitter, bitterness in there. What I will say is this: this and, and this one, this would I meant to bring this up before. The idea from people who say, "Oh well, he didn't play for us, so you know what? He's not American. Don't call him American." <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "Who are you to decide what is is or isn't American? He was born here. It's his birthright. You don't get to." Take that away from him because you don't like what national team he plays for. Okay, this is not—he is not in the Italian army fighting American soldiers. It's not that deep. He decided to play for Italy. He felt more of an—he felt more of a tie to Italy as a younger player, so he went that route. It's unfortunate. You could hate the fact that he went there, but the whole. He's not American. Don't call him American. That's crap. I'm sorry, folks. He's American. He's—he's more American. I'd argue he's more American than, than a, a couple of guys that actually play for the U.S. Like yes. he, I mean, they're all American. You can make the point. But the guy, I mean, he is American. He got, he comes home every every off season. I mean, follow the guy on Twitter. Like he is American as they come. I mean, the guy's put, you know tweeting out links to World Star Hip Hop. He's talking. You know, he he is American. Because yeah, nothing makes right? you more American than listening to hip hop. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> he is American, and even in Italy, they call him American. They 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 acknowledge he's American. He's he he can be a world class player instead of like just you know throwing dirt on him and just and just refusing to admit it. Why not embrace it? Embrace the fact that this player who is playing great now probably going to end up starting for Italy. Embrace the fact that he is uh, that he's American. I mean, I, it, what I find like as an example, I mean, I can think of like in Africa, for example. Oh, all the time. Well, no, well, listen, when you have African players who play for, say, France, right? Uh, someone like uh, Patrick Vieira. Now, Patrick Vieira, he played for France. Uh, he, he's from Senegal. And I, I, can, I, don't, I don't think people in Senegal, like, want to kill Vieira or hated Vieira. If anything, it was a sense of pride that he plays on that national team. And 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 is done well and all that. So I'm not saying U.S. fans <laughs> that you should love Rossi. No, I get that. I get that. There's some tension and animosity there. I would just say take it easy on the, he's not American. He's he gave up his right to be an American because he didn't play for the U.S. I'm sorry, folks. That's just a little overboard. Yes, people need to chill. People need to chill. And this is what is another one for you. Why don't you you know what? if you ask U.S. players that. How many? I guarantee you, not many of them are going to sit there and say, "Oh, he's not American." I'm pretty sure if Tim Howard or Josie Altador, guys who actually know Rossi and know how American he is, they'd laugh in your face. They'd be like, "What are you talking? about? He's American just because he didn't play for the U.S. doesn't mean he's not American." Like that's ridiculous. So ease off that, folks. I'm not saying you got to go buy a Giuseppe Rossi jersey, but you know, you, I think all the hate needs to get go. I mean, everything it all has happened the way it's supposed to happen. Aaron Johansson is here now. He looks like he could be amazing. And you know what? I the folks in Iceland are hating Aaron Johansson. And that one is even more that one's like mm-hmm. 
you can understand. So you, you, it, so as U.S. fans, you have to look at it and say, you know what, we've been on both sides of that. Yeah. Maybe we should, maybe we should just kind of look at it and say, you know what, it's not that cut and dry. We, it's we, we shouldn't just say, all right, we hate this guy, but this guy's okay. Like it's, it's not. You know what, take a chill with all. That. And and there's some other guys too. You know, mixed discrude. He's he's another one like Johansson. There's. You know, other guys too, but I guess though moving moving to the Americans abroad front, there were some games this past week, and Michael Bradley uh, returned to the starting lineup for Roma, and that is big for him because we talked about how it's going to be crucial for him to get a lot of playing time, and he wasn't lately, but going the distance in Roma's latest match uh, was very big for him. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, obviously, it's unfortunate that they uh, Roma dropped points for the first time uh, all season, but uh, you know, for Bradley to get back in there and get back in the lineup. I mean, you kind of wondered if he would get back in when when Francesco Totti got injured. Uh, you know, everyone wanted to see how Rudy Garcia would handle that. Would it necessarily mean Bradley starts? And then when they had the midweek game and he didn't start, I think there had to be some panic mode there or some alarm bells go off because if you're Michael Bradley and you're like, well, like still can't get a start even when Totti's out. Am I ever going to get a start? So it's a big step for him uh, to get this 90 minutes. He played a full 90, which which shows you just – you know where he is, as long as his fitness. Obviously, he seems like he's he's in a good spot right now. So it, it's going to bear watching. Uh, I know he said all the right things about you know he wants to stay there, he wants to be a part of mm-hmm. what is looking like it's going to be a special season with Roma. But it still comes down to if you don't think you're going to get many games or many minutes in the second half of this season, you have to think about a loan or a transfer because the World Cup's coming up, and you can't you can't mess around with that. So. It's still a little early to tell what's going to happen. I think give it November and see how many games he plays, how many minutes he get, gets. If, if things start to pick up, then yeah, you know what? You can see him stand. But if he ends up back on the bench, if he ends up not getting much playing time in these next two months, <clears throat> Bradley's going to have to think about a move. Moving over to Belgium, the everyone's hipster pick and most likely FIFA 14 Ultimate Team Player of the Week, Sasa Kleschen, scored a goal in his third consecutive game. Ivis, that's now seven and 13 league matches for him. He's on fire right now and definitely making a case to be named to the starting 11 for the U.S. men's national team game against Scotland coming up here in the next week or so. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it means he should start, but he'll he'll obviously be part of the team. He's been on outstanding form. He it's uh and I, he actually set a new personal career high for goals in a season with seven, which is uh <clears throat> crazy considering it's beginning of November and then he's got I don't know how many more months to add to that. He's actually I believe the sixth leading scorer in Belgium. So you know, that's pretty impressive to, uh, for you know for a midfielder to to, to rate that highly. So he's no credit. Look, he's playing well, and I think sometimes people forget that you know he can be. That kind of that attacking midfield player who really pushes an attack. You know, I, th- I feel like with the U.S. team, <clears throat> he, he's played, been played wide. He's been played kind of deep in in, a, in the quote unquote empty bucket. He hasn't really been a, a deployed as a number ten per se for the U.S. So people don't like. I think people forget that he can play in that kind of role. He can be in an advanced role. So just keep an eye on him, folks, because I think he, I think he still has a lot to offer the U.S. team. I know there are fans out there who don't rate Kleshen, who look at some of his past U.S. national team performances, which weren't great, and they just want to put the verdict down on him that he can never help the team because of that, because he hasn't shown enough as a substitute. He hasn't shown enough in the past. But people get better, folks. Just because a guy did not have the impact in the past does not mean they can't get better and then 
develop into a player who can make an impact. That, like, I think that's what we're seeing with Kleshin. Kleshin's coming along. His game is really rounding in the form. He's gaining confidence as an attacker. Mm-hmm. So don't write him off. Don't don't say oh because you know four years ago he he didn't do much you know starting in the, in the midfield that four years later he he's not going to do much. He probably can't get better. That's just not realistic. He can get better, and it's clear he is getting better. Well, he still has uh, sixteen league matches left, and you're right, he is getting better. I, I thought he's looked pretty well in his previous performances for the U.S. Men's National Team as of late. I, I agree. I think he's done well. It, it's a, you know, there, obviously there's a lot of competition there. Uh, whether you play him in the middle, I know Michael Bradley loves playing with him, and, and, and you know we haven't seen that partnership yet from Klinsman. I don't know. I don't know if it's just he doesn't see it working together, or what. But uh, you know, you have Mick Disgrude, obviously, who's really boosted his stock, and that's why I say you know you can't you can't necessarily assume Klinsman's going to start because you could definitely see Bradley Jones, Bradley Disgrude as two other combinations. I think you'd see before Klinsman. Uh, but he's putting himself in the position to get some playing time. He's keeping himself in the conversation, which, mm-hmm. you know, a year ago, we might not have thought he'd be there. Well, Ivis, that wraps it up for today's show. I can't think of any other news there is to talk about. I mean, we could talk about my co-ed team in our playoff game tonight, or we could talk about your travel schedule. Which, which one do you want to talk about? I think we could save your co-ed team talk for after you choke in the final or whatever the playoffs it is. Not gonna happen. We can we can break down your your, your meltdown. Not gonna happen. When Coach Cleverly's out there, Ivis, we we always win. But uh, mm. <laughs> your trip though, where, where are you heading next? What match? Uh, well, I'm here in LA for another day, and then uh, it's back home for Wednesday's big Houston Dynamo Red Bull showdown. That one's gonna be great. I mean, Red Bull Arena is gonna be rocking. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a sellout. Well, then again, it's there. It's, it's a midweek game. You never know with the midweek games. But uh, also, sure it's not crowd. on national TV too. Well, it's on Spanish. I think it's on Spanish. It's uh, uh, Univision Spanish. Deportes. Right. So uh, that one's going to be a barn burner. And then on Thursday, I fly out to Portland for the big Seattle Sounders Timbers second leg. That one's going to be electric. I mean, the Timbers fans. I mean, I mean people. If, if you've never been, if you've never been to Jeldwin. Uh, it's an experience, you know. I know there's other stadiums that have more fans and they have bigger capacities, but just the passion that that that, that stadium can generate, um, it, it's unmatched, really, and uh, it really pushes that team on. And they and they play with a real confidence and a real swagger at home, and and I think they're really going to give Seattle all they can handle. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll preview all those matches on uh, on Tuesday night. So, Ivis and I will have a show up on Wednesday morning. Ivis, I'll let you go, man. Uh, you need to enjoy L.A., go down to the beach, chill, enjoy yourself. Yes, yes. I, uh, uh, that's, that's the plan. I'm going to take it easy, take it out here for a day. Uh, I don't know if I'll be making it back here again this year, but uh, hope, I, I'm kind of hoping that that happens. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if, it, if L.A. wins, as we expect, and uh, we get that Timbers L.A. series or, or Seattle L.A., uh, I might have to come back out here. Yeah, yeah, you know, anything crazy could happen. If it's in LA, man, that means I could just drive over. Very easy trip for me, man. Uh, I think we're, at this point we're not going to meet until MLS Cup. We're not going to have our first uh, our, our first uh, meeting till then. So I think we should just put it off. We're, it'll be in New York probably or KC, or who knows? It could be in LA. We could have a, you know what? We could have LA Houston in the final. Oh, for their Do we want that? I don't know many people outside of LA and Houston who want that, but it could absolutely happen. It could. It could happen. Yeah, it yeah, definitely could. All right, I, 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 don't well, think, I, I don't think I don't I don't think MLS wants that to happen again. Uh, but 
you know what? It's anybody's guess who the, who the finalists are going to be right now. It's totally up in the air. It's, I mean, I, you, you can make a case for any of the eight teams. Well, maybe not in the way. But yeah. <laughs> seven. I'm kidding, folks. That's I'm totally, I, I'm totally kidding, New England fans. Your team impressed me. They are not. Stop it, Ivis. They impressed me in the first le- Look, you know what? I like the New England team. They, they got a lot of guys on the team that I rate. I mean, and, you know, Andrew right, Farrell. Here it is. Covering your Kellen tracks. Rowe. Here it is. Kellen Rowe, AJ Source, uh, you know, hey, they're all they're all they're all buddies. Uh, they're all cool guys. They have a great future. They got a nice young nucleus. I just don't think this is the year. All right, Davis. Enough of you trying to save yourself from the New England wrath. <laughs> I'm gonna let you go, man. You have a, a good time in LA, and I'll talk to you when you're back uh, back home. All right. Thanks, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate your all all of your support, comments, and everything you do for us. This is the SBS Show.